Hello and welcome to another edition of Mets Musings. I know I've been off a couple of weeks. Uh, the just busy. Everything's okay, and we are back this week. And uh, you know, um, it's been a tough uh, August first couple of weeks, at least since the trading deadline. The Mets have struggled. They've definitely fallen out of the race, but some life the last. 10 days or so as they won six out of eight games just took a series from st louis three out of four i know st louis is not a good team but you gotta play them and you gotta beat them they're on your schedule so why argue about it uh so they beat st louis three out of four it took two out of three i think it was against pittsburgh so Big series coming up against Atlanta, so we'll see uh, if they continue this uh, little bit of a role. Guys are playing better. They're hitting. They're they're hustling. Uh, they're a little bit more aggressive, and that's what we wanted to see. We wanted to see a team that is going out there playing to win. Even though, you know, they, they may be out of it, they have a slight very extreme slight shot at getting back into the wild card, but there's six games out. So it's, it's, it's tough at this point, but uh big series is they go to Atlanta for three and then come home to play the angels and the Texas Rangers, which is no easy task and the Seattle Mariners. So it's, it's going to be a rough stretch again. But, uh, you know, maybe they can hold their own, play some 500 ball, and keep it going. Uh, you know, like I said, there's some life in this team again. And they've gotten some good pitching performances from Cody Senga. And and Joey Lucchese did a, a fantastic job. Uh, Tyler McGill, David Peterson pitched okay. Not awful, uh, but they got some run support. So uh, that's the big difference there. Uh, but all in all, um, you know, you got to give them a B. B plus maybe for the week that that uh, they've been putting it together and playing some good ball. Okay, I don't want to talk a lot because we have a terrific guest, a very special guest. Uh, and I want to get to him. So let's take a break and be back right after this. Baseball and BBQ, your place for interesting baseball talk, opinions, and history. Baseball and BBQ, your place for barbecue recipes, tips, and interviews from the world of barbecue. If you like baseball and if you like barbecue, then tune into Baseball and BBQ. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and BaseballTalkRadio.com. Did you know that Baseball PhD can be heard on BaseballTalkRadio.com? Our shows rotate with other top baseball podcasts. Now don't forget, that's BaseballTalkRadio.com. With us, we'll help you get a PhD in life through baseball. With BaseballTalkRadio.com, you'll hear the rest of the excellent universe of baseball podcasts. Hello, baseball fans. You're listening to Baseball Talk Radio, the home of great baseball talk shows. 
At BaseballTalkRadio.com, you're going to find great shows like this one with the great Gary Mack and the Mets Musings Podcast. And now back to the show. Joining me this week is a Mets legend. He played 18 years for the Mets from 1962 to 1979. He was an all-star in 1965. World champion in 1969. He played on two pennant winners. He had most of the Mets' offensive records when he retired uh, since surpassed. And he still holds the record for most games played with the Mets at 1,853. He is a Mets Hall of Famer, and we are honored to have him here. He is Mr. Ed Cranepool. And, Ed, I know you showed on time, so let's get right to it. I now a book, Ed. Why did you decide to do this at this point in time? Well, I thought this was a pretty good time to write a book for the simple reason that uh... Ralph Kiner had passed, and he's the last link, along with Frank Torrey, uh, I mean, not Frank Torrey, Frank Thomas, uh, to the original Mets. And I was the only one left that uh, saw everything, you know, participated in a lot of things that happened in the first seven years, and I thought it was important to tell the fans and let them enjoy some of the stories and things that went on in the ballpark. All right. And... Uh, it's a terrific book, The Last Miracle. Let's mention the name of it by Ed Cranepool and Gary Kaschek. Uh Did you have a lot of fun? Did you enjoy reminiscing about all the old stories and all the old uh, days? I did, and uh, Gary made it easy. He was very accomplished in what he did. We worked every day at it. You know, we took about an hour a day, and that was enough for him to be able to listen to what uh, he put down. And uh, rewrite it for me and uh, help me work it out and uh, came out pretty good, I thought. Now, what people may not realize is that uh, you go back to 1962, of course, and you were 17 years old when you were uh, signed. What kind of pressure did you feel at 17 to be signed by a new ball club and, and to be brought up to the major leagues? Well, I didn't think I had any pressure, you know, at 17. I thought I was able to uh, handle it, but it's very difficult, right. you know, mentally and physically. You got to mature yourself. You know, at 17, you're playing against twice your age, and uh, the game is a lot different. Uh, so you have to really prepare yourself. Learning in the major leagues is, is very difficult, especially in the 60s. They had great pitching back in those days. A lot of guys made the Hall of Fame. And, you know, it made it very difficult because the fans were expecting a lot more. They they knew I was a big bonus player and I wanted to sign a contract. And they thought you could lead them to the promised land. And you really can't. The one player is not enough. Take guys like Hank Aaron and Willie Mays. They couldn't win a lot of pennants in a row because you need a ball club. And it took seven years for me to develop a club behind me. And that was a lot quicker than people thought. And we got to the uh, pennant. And and it was amazing. I was thinking about this just the uh, last night that in the era that you played, the the fantastic amount of uh, as you said, Hall of Famers that played in that era, uh, it was just incredible. I mean, uh, Sandy Koufax, Don Drysdale, Willie Mays, you mentioned Hank Aaron, uh, Pete Rose. I mean, the, Johnny Bench. The list goes on and on. And and. Uh, it, it just must have been an incredible era to play in. 
It was. Every ball club had two or three Hall of Famers on it. And when they didn't have a Hall of Famer, they had other great players. You take the Giants, for instance. They had an outfielder, Felipe Alou. He was as good as any of them. He could play right. with them all. And he had two brothers right behind him playing on the same team. So every club had major guys on it, good ball clubs. And you know what? Every team was very competitive back in those days. You had fewer players, less teams, and more competition. So it was very difficult for myself. I was struggling against guys like Koufax and Drysdale, you know, on the Dodgers. Not too bad. But when you hit 260, people say, well, he, I thought he was a 300 hitter. I thought he would hit 320, 330. But you don't do that until you finally catch up with the league. And I finally did catch up with the league. But I the people thought I was around so long that I'm old, but I was pretty young. I was 34 when I retired and played yeah. almost 18 years. So I could have played a few more years. The ball club was back in a slump. We were back on the bottom. I wasn't about to go through it again. It was tough the first time. Regardless, I wasn't going to do right. it the second time. <laughs> Uh, the book is the last miracle and we'll get talk about the last miracle in just a minute. But, uh, uh, some of the people that you were involved with in your career, uh, some of the most colorful and some of the best ball players ever, uh, give us a few thoughts on uh, Casey Stengel. You know, a great manager, great guy to be around. Great for the young players. He always tried to improve you. Okay. Uh, Gil Hodges. Well, the strictest uh, disciplinarian that I played for, one set of rules for 25 players, you either played by his set of rules or you hit the highway. <laughs> Ron Svoboda. <laughs> well, my roommate was great to be around. Uh, anything goes. I roomed with uh, Svoboda and Tug McGraw, two great guys, great to be with. Some of the young guys that joined the ball club and made it an organization. Uh, Bud Harrelson. But he was a great shortstop for us, great defensively, stayed with us a long time. And yeah. when he finally went to Philadelphia and some of the other clubs, you know, it wasn't the same without him as shortstop. When you look around, you knew he was there every day. You know, in his spring training, he'd be eating milk, drinking milkshakes and stuff, trying to gain weight. And we were all trying to lose 10 pounds. <laughs> Now I had the honor of of visiting with you in in your uh, home a few years ago uh, and check out some of your memorabilia. Uh, you probably don't remember, <laughs> but um, I was there and um, I remember uh, one picture that you had with Roberto Clemente, and you had an interesting story about that picture. And I wonder if you would relate that to, to the fans now. Well, actually, Roberto got his 3,000 hit against the Mets, John Matlack, out in Pittsburgh. I think it was on a Saturday. Didn't play the next day, and that was the year that uh, he went on a uh, a mission down in uh, Puerto Rico to to uh, bring supplies to areas that were hit with some storms. And his plane crashed, and he died. And that was the last hit he got in the major leagues. And you handed and I him gave the him the ball. I yeah. forgot to say, I gave him the ball at second base. <laughs> I got it from the relay from the outfield. He wound up getting a double, and I walked over to him and handed him that ball. Little did I know that M memorabilia would be worth right. so much money that otherwise I would have kept that one. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, uh, I guess it's it's better for uh, everyone. <laughs> Maybe he, he didn't in that case. Well. I know you're short on time, so uh, I, I do want to talk about your health. Uh, you look terrific. Uh, how is your health now? How are you feeling? And if you talk a little bit about what led up to everything. Well, I feel good, and uh, I had a new kidney put in four years ago, and it's uh, been acting very well. Uh, it was a young lady that gave it to me. Her husband was in need of a kidney. As it turned out, I wound up giving him uh, my transplant uh, donor, and we swapped kidneys. She was able to fit me, and uh, we worked on two guys. We saved two guys the same guy, the same day, four operations in the same day. It was wonderful. And, all four people are doing well. Oh, that that's just terrific. And 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 Ed, uh, we talk about the sixty nineteen, but we don't talk much about the seventy three team. And uh, it's the fiftieth year celebration of the seventy three team, and yet it doesn't seem like this uh, Mets organization is doing anything about that. Is is that um, is that a, a bad thing because they didn't win or I mean it was a terrific team and it was an interesting story it was similar to the 69 team we came back at the end and we caught every ball club we wound up uh, finishing first we beat Cincinnati in, in the playoffs and then we went on to uh, you know play in the World Series and we should have beat Oakland who had a pretty good ball club they won three pennants in a row three World Series we were up three games to two with two games to play. We make a managerial mistake. We pitched the wrong guy in the sixth game. We should have pitched George Stone. We pitched Tom Seaver. We don't win. And Seaver gets knocked out in the sixth, and John Matlack gets knocked out in the seventh, and we lose the pennant. The biggest disappointment for the Met organization, they don't recover for many, many years, and they finally do win again in 86, but they haven't won another pennant. So we should have had three World Series champions instead of two. Mm -hmm. And you you never really wanted to manage. You you uh, didn't want to go into coaching or managing or anything like no. that when you retired. I, I, I didn't want to be on the field. Once I retired, I was finished with the field, but I did want to go in the front office. And I had uh, had aspirations of becoming a, a front office personnel and wanted to do it, but the ball club was traded or actually sold, excuse me, and uh, – you know, it was bought by the Wolfon family. They brought in their own people. Frank Cashin came in. He knew I wanted to be the general manager, and that's the position he was filling. So he's not going to keep me around and look for his job. So I never had an opportunity, and I, I regret that because when I retired, I thought I knew enough about the game. I knew the players. I knew their weaknesses, their strengths. I could have done something to help an organization. I know I would have liked to have it uh, be the Mets. And what about the current Mets? Uh, this has not been the best of years. Uh, we just went through a big trading deadline, which they uh, got rid of a lot of the high-priced players and what. What's your thought about this current Mets team? Well, I don't have much thought at all because I'm not involved. I don't know the personnel. I don't know what their thoughts are. They're looking like they're rebuilding again. It's a tough thing to do. A lot of clubs can buy players and buy stars. But you can't buy a pennant. You have to mix and match players. You have to bring people up from the organization. They have a lot of work that has to be done. Obviously, they know it. They're going to do it. And they help. hopefully, 
under Mr. Cohn, they could do it fast because they can fill in, you know, with extra guys and, and, and purchase players. But what they're doing is nothing to do with myself. I'm not involved internally. And I couldn't even help them. I'm, I haven't been around the organization enough yeah. to be able to pick and choose what players are good or bad for the organization. So it's very difficult. I just wish him well. I hope they do well. He's a great guy, and he's putting his money where his mouth is. Just that you got to get guys that perform. <laughs> and will we see you around the ballpark uh, uh, now and then uh, as uh, members of the alumni uh, get together? I've been around the ballpark. I go to the ballpark to see the games. I enjoy it. They treat me well, so that's all I can say is, you know, <laughs> good luck to them. <laughs> Well, I, again, I know you're short on time and I don't want to keep you. And I want to thank you for, we finally was able to work it out so we could get Great. you on. <laughs> and I, I hope everyone could... enjoys the book. I think they'll, they'll enjoy some of the stories and we should have some fun with it. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, it's a terrific book. It's very easy to read. It's very conversational. It, it's like we were sitting in your uh, basement, and chatting with you and talking baseball. And uh, that's the way the book is. It's The Last Miracle, Ed Crane Poole, Gary Kaschek. And uh, Ed, thank you again. I hope we can do this again sometime. We can talk more about the 69 to 73 Mets and won't have as much trouble with Zoom as we did today. <laughs> no problem at all. Love it. Have a good day. Okay, you too, Ed. Thank you so much. Well, I hope you enjoyed it. That was my special guest, Ed Cranepool. As we said, he's got a great new book out, The Last Miracle. Go check it out. It's terrific. Lots of great stories about the New York Mets in the years that he played during his wonderful 18-year career. And, and folks, he was there at the beginning, 1962 to 1979 and left just before the Wilpon era. So uh, go check it out. He talks about Mrs. Payson. He talks about everything and uh, got some great stories with Frank Thomas. He related some of those stories to us today. Don't want to give away too much though. Want you to go buy the book. So go check it out. The last miracle. And that's going to wrap it up for this week's show. Hope you enjoyed it. I uh, hope you enjoyed Ed, and uh, unfortunately, we had some 
issues with Zoom, but uh, we'll get them all worked out and and maybe have him on again to talk some more about this terrific book and about his career with the New York Mets. So, uh, you know, team's playing a little bit better. Let's hope they can keep that going and, uh, you know, check in again next time for another edition of Mets Musings. And if you're watching on YouTube, please hit the like and the sub- subscribe button and subscribe on your local audio. Uh, however you get your audio podcast, you can subscribe there as well. And that way you'll never miss another edition of Mets Musings. So until next time, remember to keep the faith. Stay optimistic and let's go, Mets. And I will see you next time on another edition of Mets Musings.